Good morning, everybody. It's time for Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. That also means it's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back and relax, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above for the weekend. It is Friday. Happy Friday to everybody. And hopefully it's going to be a beautiful weekend. At least from for the moment, it looks like we have the moon in Virgo at least through Sunday morning and or Sunday afternoon. Oh, Lord, it's a working weekend. It is a working weekend. I like it. I like it. Things get done when the moon is in Virgo. And that is what we're going to start with this morning, the moon in Virgo. And then we'll talk a little bit about the transits for the weekend, of which there are not that many. Uh, it seems to be a sort of quietish weekend, if you will, with some big changes on the horizon in terms of where we are in the shifting of the nodes, uh, the north node and the south node, and mostly seen through the eyes of human design. And then I want to talk a little bit about uh, how it is that you can see plots and themes in an astrology human design chart. So we're going to look at that through both genetic matrix. It might be a good idea to have your own human design and or uh, astrology chart or both with you. Um, Pam Zaruba, good morning to you. And I was I, funny enough, I have your chart up. Uh, so let me know in the chat if you think it's OK for me to share yours to look at the plots and the themes in your chart. Also, Tom, although I don't see Tom here with us yet this morning. So anyway, hopefully everybody's been having a good week so far. It's been an interesting week as shifting, changing, things like that going on in every every place I turn. Uh, and, you know, I noticed something else that's happening. And I, I throw it out to you as the audience to check in with me and let me know what you think about this. Uh, there's a distinct feeling of... I want to say it's an I don't care anymore feeling. But it's really not that I don't care. It's that I'm overwhelmed. Not just me, but I mean, everybody's kind of at this brink where they're kind of overwhelmed. And you almost have to shut everything off, um, move away from everything. And I'm wondering if that isn't Pluto sitting at 29 degrees of Capricorn, so much pressure, um, to transform and to change. And if you're sitting like me and not knowing exactly, well, what does that mean, right? How, what is that, how does that apply to me? Uh, then it could be very discomforting, right? Discomfort, discomforture, discomforting. Hmm. Anyway, I am feeling that way. And when I'm feeling that way, I kind of feel like others are too, because it is uh, not like me to just, you know, in the in the midst of my life, just to start feeling something very odd without it being something that's in the field. So if you're feeling that way, you're in good company. We're all kind of sitting there. It's like sitting at the brink of something. But without the energy to go over the edge, you know, and, and do the leap or the jump, but also not being willing to go backward. <laughs> So you're just kind of suspended in this place in between things. It's very odd feeling. Now, for example, uh, last night I went to bed, normal time, just, you know, a little bit after 1030, I guess I went to bed last night and I laid down. I was tired when I went to bed and then suddenly I wasn't tired anymore. And I laid there 
tossing and turning till the last time I looked at my watch, it was 147. I went, whoa, what are you doing? This is going to make for a very long Friday. But it was that same thing. There was no one thing in my mind that I was worried about. There was no group of things in my mind that I was worried about. I wasn't feeling sick. I didn't have a headache. I was hot a little bit. It was warm in the bedroom, but not too bad. I mean, I was comfortable. But there's that feeling of discomfort in and amongst life right now. But I don't even know what it traces to. Astrologically, I would say, again, it's probably Pluto sitting at that 29th degree because the 29th degree is like uh, catalyzing energy. And when you have a planet that sits there for a very long period of time, it is um, kind of adding, you know, layers of, of whatever that energy is bringing to you. So the theme typically of, of, of Pluto is going to be about transformation, death and rebirth, right? Going through the whole death and rebirth cycle, uh, but also empowering, empowerment, right? Being Becoming empowered and um, dealing with where you are disempowered or where you have been the uh, energy behind somebody else's disempowerment, uh, that type of thing. So it's all kind of piling on us right now. And it doesn't help that the news cycle happens to be very filled with a whole bunch of stuff, um, both political, but also, you know, death and uh, in the, the case of the submarine, the what was it, the Titan, the ocean, something Titan that, you know, imploded. And, you know, you've got to feel for people that, you know, lost their lives and for their families. Um, that to me seems very Saturn and Pisces and Neptune and Pisces, right? <laughs> Not having the structure around the vehicle that was doing the dive that would be supporting of it. Uh, in fact, apparently it was made of some kind of carbon um, type of, of uh, material that wasn't quite tried and tested in at deep water pressures. So interesting, right, that then Saturn comes in with the scythe and changes up that dynamic. As sad as that is, it's typical, right, that things like that are bound to happen when we have such water energy going on. So there's water energy, there's Pluto sitting at 29 degrees. There's Mars and Venus and the moon and which, by the way, have you guys been looking at the night sky, seeing that trio of planets in the night sky? They're all in, they were all in Leo. They were fairly close together. It wasn't last night, but the night before, it was just beautiful, right? Just gorgeous to see that bright shining Venus, the little bit dimmer Mars and the moon, the crescent moon right next to it. Just just beautiful. So, you know, the, again, is it is it the amount of things that are happening that causes the discomfort? Is it Jupiter and Uranus surprises and growth and expansion in Taurus, you know, that's bringing us to this brink where we feel uncomfortable going backwards, but we can't quite yet go forward? I think it might be a combination of those things. And of course, in your own personal chart, that is going to equate to the themes that are being uh, triggered in the chart, which I want to take a look at that this morning with different uh, astrology, human design charts. It was something I did with my own chart the other day. 
uh, and I was just doodling. I was just doodling until my client was coming online with me. <laughs> and I ended up with this whole new uh, system of how it is that I'm going to look at the astro, astro design readings, which are the combining of astrology and human design. And uh, I couldn't use it with hers because unfortunately, for whatever reason, I got two different charts for her. Um, one from Genetic Matrix was different from the one from Astro in, in terms of astrology. So I couldn't do it there. So I want to start testing these things out with people. And it's a great place to start in the morning. Thank you, Christine. That is very sweet of you. I had to put this heart scarf on because one thing, I was in a nasty mood because I didn't sleep well. Secondly, at seven o'clock this morning, two doors down from me. Um, and you have to realize I live in kind of a, I live on an island, but the houses are different um, sizes, right? Everything's different sizes. Like this is a five acre plot that I live on. There's a 10 acre plot behind me. Uh, next to her is like a two acre plot with houses stacked in the, in the grouping. Well, one of the people back there has killed kids that are here for the summer. And apparently they have no clue that seven o'clock in the morning, running, screaming, yelling, dogs barking isn't appropriate. So I got really upset. And I went, okay, wait, what do you need? You need some love. So I went and got my heart scarf to remind me that it's all about the love. <laughs> it made me feel better. It's cheerful. <laughs> so uh, thank you for noticing that. Uh, anyway, good morning to everybody who's checking in now. I know, um, uh, good morning, Narjess and Christine. She says, I especially felt bad for the young son. He didn't want to go. He only went to please his father. Oh, I almost like he knew he was meeting his end, even if that wasn't exactly how he could word that. Good morning, Julie and Pam Zaruba. It's good to have you with us. And uh, let's dive in, shall we, to the moon today in Virgo, not just today, but today, tomorrow, and the next day. When I drew the chart up this morning, uh, the moon was at one degree, 35 minutes of Virgo. Now, Virgo is a sign of service. It, it rules the work, service, and health and healing sector of our chart or house in our chart. So it has a lot to do with those topics, right? So service, which we could also look at as helping and supporting. Right. So we have a weekend of service and helping and supporting others and ourselves. Right. That's kind of this theme that the moon is bringing us more of the internal pressure, maybe to do some of these things. Now, Virgo and the moon in Virgo really does kind of rule our working life, our day daylight life. Right. This is where we have our interaction with coworkers, with a working environment. Even if you're working at home, as I do, it is a working environment, which right now happens to be a disaster. I don't know what the heck I did. Um, dealing with your daily routine, so the habits and the and the um, the day-to-day -day things that you do, the to-do list that you have, right, for every day, getting to that and getting that finished. But Virgo is also known as a hardworking sign. It is diligent in its getting things done, right? That's one of its strengths, if you will. Now, as it relates to health, Everything about healthy routines comes into play. So exercise and eating right, diet, right? What are we putting into our body? Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, what you what 
type of diet you have, but as long as you are aware of what it is that you are feeding yourself, right? What are you feeding yourself and how is it impacting you? Is it making you feel good? If so, okay. If it's not making you feel good, then why are you doing it, right? Why are you doing it? So moderation in all things comes up with Virgo energy. That means moderation in exercise and in diet and in health and in uh, overdoing anything, giving away yourself, that kind of thing. But it also rules all of the healthy habits that we have and the alternative forms of healing. So any of the the different things that we do, I mean, there's traditional healing, I mean, uh, what would we call it? Uh, allopathic healing, right? The regular thing that we think of, we're going to the doctors or we're, you know, prescribed medications, etc. But when the moon is in Virgo, we have to be very careful about what it is that we're doing because our bodies are very much likely going to react quicker to anything that we put in it right? Pisces on the other end of Virgo. And that energy flowing in, it rules our lymphatic system, the body's response to invaders, the body's response to any substance that you put in, right? If you put in a substance that the body doesn't like, you're going to get, you're going to hear back from the body, right? You're going to get a stomach ache, you're going to get a headache, you're going to have whatever symptom of that wasn't a good thing for me to eat or put into my body that your particular body will do. So when we're looking through how do we heal, then there are many different methods by which healing can take place. Sometimes it's through uh, Reiki. Sometimes it's through hypnosis. Sometimes it's through getting, you know, some kind of body work done, massage or that kind of uh, physical therapy. So but being open to alternative forms of healing, especially if your allopathic means haven't been working, right? In, in other words, when we look at health through the eyes of Virgo, across the Virgo-Pisces axis, um, we're, we're seeing the impact of holisticness, that word. So holism, right? Treating uh, our bodies holistically and not just the symptoms, right? Not just throwing medication out at a symptom, but dealing with the bigger picture, the whole of the healing uh, atmosphere. Now, we also know that Virgo is a sign of getting organized. There's a lot of practical organization, tidiness that comes with Virgo energy, getting organized and cleaning or uh, throwing away what no longer serves, uh, letting go of, of things, right? Um, there's efficiency in this sign, getting things done in the quickest, most direct way, right? Not making a big circle around what it is that you need to get done, but just going right in and getting it done. And then seeing to the details, right? Not just like glossing over, sticking everything in drawers, I'm really tempted to do that today, sticking everything in drawers so that you don't see it, but actually do something about it, right? Being efficient, seeing to the details. Um, but there's also the other side. Remember, Virgo is a sign of perfectionism as well. So sometimes we can get nitpicky about the things in our lives, <laughs> the things that we see that aren't right, you know, and we could just constantly nag at those things, worrying them until we finally either you know, just give up or uh, we have it to what we think of as the perfect place, the perfect way it looks, that kind of thing. So we want to watch out for that. 
um, discernment, discernment versus gullibility. You know, on one side with Virgo, we have this great ability to be discerning. On the other side in Pisces is the possibility of becoming gullible. And so we have the two that we have to hold in balance, which means that you don't just believe everything that you hear. You don't just believe, you know, that what someone tells you to do is the right thing for you. You have to apply your own discernment to all things, right? And choose for yourself what is the thing that really resonates with you. Now, there's also critical thinking and analysis, uh, the ability to be calm in a crisis, uh, planning, all of those things, but they can also lead us to worry. They can lead us to anxiety. So while the moon is in this sign, watch for symptoms of anxiety, right? Getting overly tedious in doing something. Um, the thought processes that are going around and around the rat race kind of feeling in your mind, right? Um, finding yourself thinking that everything that you're doing isn't just perfect and you got to just keep doing it. Like if I tweak it one more time, it'll be better. Those kinds of things lead us to anxiety and it turns out it's mental anxiety, right? Mercury, the ruler of Virgo, the sign, is um, about the thinking processes. The moon here just adds its emotionalness to it and to our thinking. And so we want to watch more of that in terms of the negative side. But by far and away, Virgo is one of the good places in the chart if you have, or for the moon to be, uh, if you have things you need to get done, right? If you want to organize something, if you want to clean something, if you uh, need to, you know, embark on a project that uh, be, makes a, a system more efficient, this is the weekend for that kind of activity. I know it's not very sexy. Uh, it's not the pleasurable weekend that we all think of, but the moon, if you have things to get done, is going to be interesting uh, time for that. And on the island this weekend is a an island-wide garage sale. And they do this once a year on this weekend in June. And uh, I think that's kind of funny, people going through all their stuff and selling it, right? That seems very Virgo and cleaning out the closets, cleaning out the cupboards, bringing it to a situation where you could sell it, right? One man's junk is another man's treasure and all of that. So it's a great weekend for that. Uh, okay, today, June 23rd, it is Friday, and that means we are at a point in our uh, transit through the month where the nodes are shifting. And when I say nodes, I mean the south node and the north node. They change gates. So now we're looking at human design. So you might want to grab your human design charts and get those out for a moment. So the nodes shift about... Um, every three months or so. And when in, in astrology, the nodes are moving through a sign, right? They've been moving through Taurus in the North Node and Scorpio in the South Node. So everything Taurus and Scorpio has been what we've been weeding through, right? Taurus simplifying our lives, Taurus bringing us closer to the earth, Taurus, uh, you know, dealing with finances and our values and our value and earnings and all that type of thing. And Scorpio, the baggage, right? What is it? The grievances, the, the unforgivenesses, the baggage that we're carrying with us that we need to release because it's the South Node that's in Scorpio. So in the bigger picture, we are still dealing with Scorpio and um, 
Taurus energies. But in human design, that gets dialed in a little bit closer because we are working with gates that take up a span of degrees within the sign that don't quite match up exactly to astrology, right? Astrology. So sometimes there's this overlap between a gate that will be the end of one sign and the very beginning of another sign. And because we now have the nodes sitting at like two degrees, let's see, where's the north node? One degree, 57 minutes of Taurus. So we're looking at a cuspy sort of situation here with the gates. Because the gate three, which is the gate that the north node is moving into is both taurian in nature and aries in nature remember the nodes go backwards so they're always backing into a sign so we have this cuspy taurus aries energy and a cuspy libra scorpio energy that right now we are dealing with and will be dealing with until those nodes actually shift all the way into aries come july so what are we looking at in terms of the energies available to us right now for moving forward. And the moving forward energy is at the gate three, which is a gate of innovation. It is a gate that takes us into new territory, right? I started the broadcast this morning by saying, we, I feel like we're sitting at a precipice, right? We can't go backwards, but we can't yet go forward. And the gate three kind of embodies that feeling. And that's because whenever we set out to start something new, there's always a little bit of trouble getting it up and off the ground, right? We have to put more energy into something. It's like when you are, you know, doing any kind of exercise or any kind of project, right? The beginning, you know, there are more steps you have to take perhaps, or there's, it, it's harder to get the momentum. So what we are in is a shift of getting our momentum into innovation or inventiveness or changing up the way that we're doing things. But change, not just for the sake of change, but change for the sake of being able to move forward. Okay. So the, that's the North Node. This is where we're moving, where we are moving. So what is the South Node? The South Node in this case is at the gate 50. Now, the 50 is a gate that sits on the spleen center. And in human design, the spleen center is the center for time, intuition, health and healing. Uh, but also it is an energy of survival, right? Primarily, it is the energy where we do what we need to do to survive now or thrive, right? We could say survive, which feels more like we're just, you know, barely skimming the surface of thriving. But that center also is uh, there to help us thrive and flourish in our lives. But unfortunately, we still are sitting here on this planet with DNA that has the energy of fear associated with it. So the spleen gates can sometimes represent fear and or shadow energy, the things that stop us from wanting to move forward in our lives. And in, in a lot of different ways, right? The 50 primarily is a gate that is, the fear is about failing in your responsibilities to your family, your tribe, your peoples, right? That kind of thing. And it becomes kind of controlling in the, it, it can become controlling. Not everybody who has gate 50 defined as controlling or anything like that. Uh, but 
it's always potentially there that you're going to want to micromanage or smother mother the people in your life. Not because you're mean and dastardly, but because you're afraid if you don't, that they won't succeed or that they won't thrive or they won't flourish, right? So we are often applying a lot of our values and our truths to the people in our tribes and communities um, in a way that tries to keep them in alignment, keep them aligned, rather than taking that energy, teaching what we know, and allowing people to go out and make their own mistakes, right? They need to be able to experience. Once you give them the basis for how to be successful or what it means to be a human on the planet or what it means to be a member of the Hickox family or whatever, right? Once those values are established, once those um, agreements are taught, then you have to let go. You have to let people go and do what it is they do best, even if it means that they might blow it up, right? Even if it means they'll make mistakes because it's not your job. So what we get is this inappropriate attachment to how others are faring based on how well you've taught them or how well you've controlled them or how well you have, you know, kept them within boundaries and limits, which of course is not our jobs, right? Our job, if you're a child out there and you have a parent, I mean, a younger child, then your parent's job is to teach you how to become a, a, a viable, responsible, thriving adult. But beyond that, you can't micromanage or smother mother and expect people to come out of on that other end as responsible adults. So we all have to check ourselves in this. Where am I micromanaging something in my life or people in my life? In the Gene Keys, the shadow energy of the gate 50, which again, we're talking the shadow because the south node is what we want to let go of. It's not what we want more of. The north node is what we want more of. We want more inventiveness and innovation and change that's moving us in a new direction. What we want to let go of is the gate 50, which is the corruption of the code, right? The corruption, not, not speaking of it as in terms of people who are corrupt or corporations that do corrupt things, although that might be a part of it. Um, but corruption as in I've misread the code, right? It's like your, um, uh, in the very fabric of your DNA, DNA is a code. Right. Every time your cells divide, DNA moves into each of the cells, hopefully an exact replica. But sometimes in the process, the code corrupts. And so we have messenger RNA and other uh, factors within our cells that clean up the code. Right. And maybe the cell has to die. It's that, you know, it's that necessary to get that cell out of the body or whatever's needing to be fixed is fixed. That is what I'm talking about with corruption. So what are we doing then? We're looking at our own lives and seeing across the field of our experiences, the, across the field of the people that we are involved with, where has the code gotten corrupt? In our relationships, in our finances, in our health, where is the code being corrupted or not, or, or misread? Right. Where's the code being misread? And from that point of view, then setting about to correct it by moving toward the north node, innovation, inventiveness, change, transformation 
and all of that kind of energy. Now, there's a bit of an innocence that goes on with the gate three. Remember, this is um, energy of late Taurus and then early, or it'll be early Taurus, late Aries, right? Because they're backing in. And that means that there's some wisdom that's being unearthed or brought to the surface for us because we're cuspy. We're cuspy. We're between two signs and or between two major energies, right? The energy of Aries that is bold and pushing outward and, and has a bit of innocence and is willing to take some risks because we don't have the vast field of experiences telling us that's not a good thing to do right now. And so we're bold versus the Taurus energy that we're completing at zero degrees Taurus, where we're having to look at the, the needs, the, the needs for safety and security, um, the lack that we might be feeling, the scarcity that um, we might need to let go of in order to move forward. So there's also this newness energy that I feel around it. And today's that day, right? So for the next few months, we're going to have this energy of the North Node at Gate 3, the South Node at Gate 50. Those two gates become defined for everyone, even if you don't normally have them defined. So look at your own human design chart. And is it, are you applying the energy of inventiveness in a new, in, uh, in your chart newly because you don't have that gate defined? If so, this might feel a little uncomfortable for you, but also, but uncomfortable in a way that's kind of exciting or exhilarating, right? It, by the way, this gate tells us also to stick with it, right? Anything worth doing is worth holding the space for it to uh, become manifest, right? So not letting go and jumping ship too fast. Same with the gate 50. If you do not have the gate 50 defined, suddenly you have the gate 50 defined. And you do for three months or so. And we want to take a look at that, right? What is being, what, where am I taking uh, inappropriate responsibility for other people's success uh, or their thriving or flourishing energy? And what do I need to change within myself to, to put that responsibility back where it belongs, right? With them, if they're, you know, young children, of course, you're guiding and leading them into becoming an adult. But if you have adult children, it is absolutely not okay to keep micromanaging them or smother mothering them, right? You, you got to let them go. At some point, you got to untie those apron strings and say, you know what? I'm here if you need support or advice, but I am not the one that is leading your life. You are. Take the reins and run with that. So it'll be an interesting time, I think, for all of us on planet Earth as we go through all of this. All right. Good morning to Kajella and Joan and Catherine and Asa. It's so good to have you with us. Christine says, sounds like my Pisces sun and Mercury versus Pluto in Virgo. Mm -hmm, definitely. Asa, doesn't matter what planet is at is at that gate 50, if you have it defined in your human design, how will you micromanage soul purpose Venus at gate 50? So Venus is uh, about love. So how do you micromanage love? How do you micromanage values and self-worth? Um, I guess micromanaging isn't just the only, you know, thing that we could say here. Where is, where's the code of your behavior or of your beliefs corrupted, right? That would be another thing to look at. Where did love get corrupted in your life or the energy of love, 
right? So, you know, sometimes we we could go back to our childhoods where we might have experienced non-loving things from our parents. Happens all the time, right? And how did that indelibly imprint upon you? And then how are you applying that energy to your own family, your own children, right? Where do you inappropriately put yourself in the way of being in some sort of control of their lives? And, and control is not quite the right word because it's not that you're controlling, but that you are somehow even maybe manipulated by people that you love to become responsible for them. Mm, there's also that. So the guidance for you as a sole purpose Venus uh, at the gate 50, right, is to understand the dynamics of where you fit in with being responsible for those people in your lives, whether they're your family, your community, your, your tribe, that type of thing. And how much of it do you put on your own shoulders? Because you know, it's not necessarily the people in your life that are saying, oh, you've got to take care of me. It's that the weight of your own experiences ca can cause you to take on more responsibility than what is right for you. Christine says, I have 50 at the Pearl Jupiter in Scorpio. Pearl. So Pearl. Oh, so you're talking about Gene Keys now. So Pearl is your in the gene case, for those of you who don't know, is your prosperity. So how do you gain prosperity? Well, Christine, it would seem like you gain prosperity through evolving away from being controlled or being um, held accountable for things that aren't yours. And also for you to not to stop holding yourself accountable for things that are not true, right, or are not your business anymore. So a dynamic. Now, you already have a planet there, so you're not unfamiliar with this energy. It's already been there. But now you add the energy of the South Node here, and this is a dumping, a dumping of all those things that are not there to support your growth and evolution and your prosperity. I love it. Okay. So any other questions about that? So, for example, in my chart... I have the whole 360 defined. What defines the gate three for me, I believe, is Mars. How do I not know? I don't know. Uh, I think it's Mars, though. And that means now I have Martian energy there as well as uh, the energy around uh, the south node. So there's actions. Maybe I need to go back and look at the actions that I take and how is that supporting me or not, right? Is there something I need to dump? I do not have the gate 50 at all. So now that energy is going to be imprinted upon me and I'm going to have to really take a look at where have I misread the code? Where's the corruption, quote corruption in my life? And where am I inappropriately taking on responsibilities that aren't mine? Because that's going to be the path for me to release so that I can move more into innovation and uh, inventiveness. Uh, Christine has her south node at 27 in Taurus. So you have the entire, so interesting, right? You're going to have the south node transiting at the 50, which is exactly opposite of the 27, where you have your natal south node. This is a lot of dealing with the past, I think, for you uh, for the next few months. 
and uh, releasing, releasing things that don't matter and uh, seeing yourself, you know, freed, debaggaged, if you will, of, of unburdened uh, and unburdening of yourself uh, over these next couple of months. Joan says, my north node is 50 and my south node is three. So it's a possibility in your life then what you're needing to let go of is this feeling of I need to keep reinventing myself or I need to be inventive. Um, and then looking at the 50, it can also have a, an energy of nurturing around it. Nurturing, you know, it, it's like taking, it, it's almost like the 27 holds us accountable, the other end of this, the 27 holds us accountable for taking care of ourselves. And the 50 shows us where we're so busy taking care of others at times that we haven't been taking care of ourselves. So it becomes a time for you, I think, Joan, in which you can really start to take on what's, what do I want? Now, what do I think I have to do? Not do I need to reinvent myself to do all these things or invent, uh, innovate a, a whole new me in order to do them, but to really just be okay with the experiences I've had uh, as a reinventor and a, an innovator and being okay with all of that and then looking more at well what makes me what makes me happy right the 50 in its highest expression in the gene keys hold on i got to get that so we know is harmony 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 out of corruption we move through equilibrium and into harmony so that's what you're looking for more harmony and anything that doesn't feel harmonious whether it's a relationship a situation is going to come up for you to reestablish the correct code if you will for that all right christine says that makes sense joan did that make sense for you uh, anyway so we we want to we want to focus on this energy because we're closing out a cycle of the nodes being in the sign of Taurus and Scorpio and you, the nodes the way they move it'll be another 18 to 20 years before they get back to Taurus and Scorpio so it feels like this is a time for us to really understand uh, that part of ourselves that part of our charts right so wherever that is if I'm looking at this chart which is just a chart of the day uh, of the moment I took the of uh, the the sampling uh, Taurus is in the 10th house and Scorpio is in the fourth house so this would be a person if this were a person this would be the struggle between myself and how I am out in the world versus who am I at home and always feeling maybe tugged in those two different directions right family versus um, my own authority and authenticity out in the world, my worldly self and my domestic self, always at odds, right? Those, those two bring us into opposite um, poles. Scorpio at the fourth house in this case. So what am I letting go of? Well, if it's the 50, that is Scorpio energy, which it is, we're letting go of inappropriate responsibility, inappropriate managing of others and becoming more self-managing, um, if you will, <laughs> self-nurturing, that, that word. And where are we moving? How are we doing that? Well, we're moving more toward Taurus in this case in the 10th house, which would be the expression of, of, of balance in terms of our finances, um, in our safety and our security, 
um, building something of lasting nature for ourselves, simplifying our lives, you know, letting go of some of the complex things, um, bringing more love, more sensuality, more romance into the expression of Taurus in the 10th house. What do I love to do, right? What would I love to do all day long, every day kind of thing? All right. So now Pam uh, has graciously said that I could use her chart. Asa, I bet you, you would let me. Joan, you might let me use yours. I'm not sure if I still have yours in genetic matrix. But now I want to teach you a little bit about themes and plots, if you will, in your astrology and your human design. Because first of all, there's a correlation between the two, right? There's the correlation between your human design and your astrology. And each one has its own beauty in terms of the information it brings out, right? Like we've just been able to, to take a look at a smaller bandwidth of Taurus and Scorpio energy versus just the bigger bandwidth of Taurus and Scorpio, right? Now we're looking at the sliver of that energy. When we look at your own um, astro human design or astro design chart, that's what we see. We see the coming together of all of these energies. And it was so immediate that themes jumped out at me that it was almost scary in that. I, how did I not see that before? <laughs> right. So I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to go to genetic matrix. So one moment while I get this uh, set up and sharing my screen. There we go with this one. And this is Tom's chart. So I'm going to stop sharing. I'm going to go, or I don't have to stop sharing. I think I can go here to Pam's. All right. So let me check in on StreamYard and see which chart I have actually showing. And it's Pam's. Awesome. All right. So Pam, uh, let me see if I can get this centered somewhat. I had to make it bigger because, of course, it was small. And I wish I could center it more, but uh, this won't let me drag the chart over. So I'm sorry, a bit of it is uh, cut off, but we can see the major theme here. Ignore all of this uh, thread ball in the middle. It reminds me of those rubber band balls, you know, that we used to make when we were kids and we'd have all this, you know, yeah, anyway. Um, or if you, un if you take the cover off a rubber ball, right, there's often all this uh, rubbery stuff inside that looks like this. Ignore all of this. What I want you to look at is what jumps out at you in the chart. As an astrologer, of course, the first thing I always look at is, are there any stelliums in the chart? Where is the, um, the biggest density, if you will, of planets? So when you look at Pam's chart, and thank you, Pam, for letting me, you know, show yours, we see this area right here. Oh, it's not going to let me do that. But you can see my pink cursor, I hope, and how I'm circling this part of the chart. Anything in black here, these planets in black are on her soul purpose or on her um, personality side of her human design. So this looks like she has Mercury and the Sun and the Black Moon Lilith and the Moon and Neptune all in Scorpio. And likely those planets are in her ninth house. And this is whole sign. So whole sign. So we already see a theme popping out here because we already know any planet in Scorpio is going to go deep, is going to be investigative, is going to dig, 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 dig through something to get to the answers, right? Uh, it's going to be passionate. It's going to have a bit of this intensity around life, right? 
So we already know, even if just one planet was there, that there's this intensity, this passion, this investigative nature that this person would bring to the table. So any planets that we have in Scorpio do that. But she's got five of them in Scorpio on just one side of her human design equation. And that puts them in the ninth house. So where she's very much willing to go deep is in the nature of expansion, of, of finding more information, seeing herself from the higher purpose, um, studying philosophy or studying um, all kinds of, of uh, disciplines that would give her more access to a higher self or to a higher purpose or uh, it might be educational as in I want to go to college I want more knowledge right this is very much about knowledge and beliefs and also um, the philosophies that we have right now it's not just those five planets though she also has on her life purpose side her life purpose Neptune and her life purpose black moon Lilith in Scorpio and these come into the fourth house. This outer wheel here tells you where, what house in the astrology chart the life purpose planets or design planets are uh, parked in. So we have a ninth house and a fourth house. And what I would think of is the life purpose is going to be played out through family and likely perhaps in a way that she has to separate herself in a way from her family of origin and their beliefs and the history of that family's beliefs, like perhaps, you know, a very religious family or military family, and they have these values and these things that are apparently going to be uh, things that Pam is investigating to decide whether she wants to make them her own philosophies or beliefs. Uh, or if they want to be what defines her. So her ability for growth and expansion through Scorpio ways is based on her upbringing. The, 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 the life purpose would say that the family of origin here is something that she has to square with in order to move on to the highest expression of this Scorpio energy. So probably learning a lot of lessons uh, if you look at the planets individually, then you're going to get a deeper look. But I'm just let's just look at the big theme, right? If an astrologer is going to look at the bigger themes, then we're going to take it apart later, right? We're going to look at, well, what does Mercury in Scorpio bring? What does the sun in Scorpio bring? What does the black moon Lilith in Scorpio bring? The moon in, in uh, Scorpio, the Neptune in Scorpio, right? So a lot of energy right here. So Pam, I would say the biggest theme in your life is about how you are going to grow and evolve this lifetime through your thoughts, your beliefs, your, your knowledge gaining, your wisdom, and through seeing things from the lens of the higher self. And I guarantee you that when I go back to StreamYard, you're going to say, yes, that's part of it, right? So now we're not just looking at this. That's the first thing that jumped out at me because there's so many bodies in this one sign. But there's this other part over here that is actually between Virgo and Leo, the uh, life purpose, ascendant, moon, Venus, sun, Uranus, Pluto, all in the, the degrees between Virgo and Leo, and her sole purpose, Pluto, Uranus, and the descendant uh, in the sign of Virgo. So 
remember, these are the bigger themes. This is the plot, right? I'm learning all about how to, you know, apply um, more spiritual concepts to everything in my life, right? But I do that by digging through and investigating and questioning and all of that kind of thing. But over here, there's a lot of life purpose tied up in Leo and uh, not a small amount tied up in Virgo either. So now we have a Virgo-Leo focus. Now we know Virgo is the sign. We just talked a lot about Virgo, didn't we? Uh, about the moon today in Virgo. It's about service. It's about helping others, being supportive. Uh, remember, it contains things about your working life. It contains you know, health and healing and about getting organized and practical, uh, pr being practical and being discerning. So all of those qualities of Virgo, uh, are being applied here in her seventh house, which is the house of relationship. So is it then that the Virgo energy is what you're looking for that's going to help ground you in your search for the, the answers to the questions that are of a higher nature, right? Something needed to be grounded in. Now, of course, Pluto's here is not surprising. Pluto's would always be sort of close together in a human astro design chart. And that's because it doesn't move very far, very fast, right? In the three months between your soul purpose and your life purpose, there's not a lot of movement for Pluto. So it's always pretty much right in the same place. Um, but in hers, they're at different gates, right? We have one Pluto, the life purpose Pluto at the gate 40 and the sole purpose one at the gate 64. So the, the Pluto at 64 is about divine transference, right? It's about dragging in information from the divine. Now, not necessarily knowing what to do with all of that, not necessarily knowing how it all fits together. In fact, it can create some confusion. That's the lower energy in the gate 64, but you're transforming divine information, divine uh, input. And then your Pluto from your life purpose would be the 40, which is like, let's relax. Let's be more restorative in nature. I, I might need to find enough time to spend alone to recharge my batteries, right? I can't just keep going and going. And I know you're a projector. I think it is, Pam. So you also, you know, need to be aware of your energy expenditure because it goes to your health here. Right. So health, health through relationships, health through um, the agreements that you make with others. So being healthy for you has a lot to do with the people around you and the uh, nature of the agreements or contracts, if you will, that you make with other people, being appropriate with them and not um, uh, ones that don't have anything to do with you. Then we have the Leo end of things to contend with. We have the life purpose ascendant here. So your personality, Leo personality, fiery, passionate, self-expressive, following your heart, right there. You, you even embody the look of that when you think right down to it, right? Your red hair, your presence, you're very, you're, you're, you're not missed, when you enter into a room, at least from an energetic standpoint. So living out loud, if you will, and following your heart 
is a pathway to the work that you need to do. Very creative work would be very supportive of you. But you also have the moon, Venus, sun, and Uranus and Pluto here. A lot of context going into, I'm sorry, Uranus is not in Leo. It's the sun and Venus and the moon and the ascendant all in Leo, bringing up a theme of the heart. And whether you love what you're doing or not, right? So we are encapsulating these things, if you will, uh, in your life. Now, the um, seventh house, Virgo energy, would also play out in your life purpose as the gate two, or sorry, the second house, which might mean that you settle for less than stellar relationships if you're feeling unworthy, unloved, um, you know, not... Um, intrinsically valuable to um, the relationship. So especially with Mercury here, you may say or do things um, that are undervaluing yourself, right? Thinking um, thoughts of, of undervaluing yourself. So that's where that plays out. In the sixth house here of the, of the um, chart, there really isn't anything black here, right? So we don't have any planets really sitting in uh, the design or soul purpose, Leo. So it's not really the sixth house that's getting impacted. It's the first house, right? The first house of the astrology chart holds your life purpose, moon, Venus, sun, Uranus. Uh, sorry, not Uranus. I keep screwing that up. Um, these three and the ascendant. So life purpose in the first house is really bringing out more and more of the real you, right? shining a light of, of love, of generosity, of uh, self-expression outward to the world. That is uh, all a part of your Leo experience. And again, it's all red. So it's all in your life purpose. You're not going to see it that way in a traditional looking astrology chart, because the life purpose is based on a date three months prior to when you were born. All right, and we could also go down here. We could look at, there's this Aquarius part of your chart that also has some boom to it. Uh, you have your Earth, your uh, life purpose Earth, your life purpose Saturn, your soul purpose Saturn, and your life purpose descendant all in Aquarius. And uh, at least your, your, your soul purpose Saturn in Aquarius in the 12th house. So kind of looking at what patterns developed in your life that took you away from being the unique expression of you. Like, where did you try to mold yourself into something that you are not? You know, where did the people around you influence you to the extent that you lost sight of who you really were? So you're bringing that out. Your life purpose, um, descendant, Saturn, and Earth are all in the seventh house. So that that's really kind of, to me, looking in the mirror of your relationships and seeing which relationships really support the unique you versus which ones do not, right? And in some way, Aquarian energy brings detachment to the game for you, Pamela, um, having to be able to step back from the picture a little bit, not be so attached to what you see uh, or to who you're with, but stepping back and being able to see from a different point of view um, what it is that is in the mirror of your relationships. What are the unconscious things that are part of the life purpose 
uh, or the sole purpose, excuse me, that you want to uncover in this lifetime. Now I can see exactly why you have all these Scorpio planets. They're going to help you dig, dig, dig into what makes you tick so that you can uncover the unconscious patterns and release them, heal them. So easy when we look at it this way. I can't believe it's already five to nine. All right. So let me go back here. Uh, questions, questions, questions. I know you're going to have them. Uh, so let's see. Christine asks, how does the unconscious side and conscious side correspond to design and life purpose sides? So when you're looking at your human design chart, you see the two columns, the black column above it, it says personality. And the personality is really your soul, right? Your soul's curriculum. The, the things your soul already has um, managed to, to um, kind of learn and uh, master. But there might be a facet of, of that that wants to be played out in the life purpose, which is the red column, the personality, or excuse me, the design. So the design is in red, and the design is what I always think of as life purpose. So you have a sole purpose, sun and earth, or all of the planets for that matter, but they're going to play out in this lifetime in the design sort of way, right? So you're, you're, you're learning how to, to bring these together. I hope that answers your question. If it doesn't, go ahead and tell me that it doesn't. Pam, absolutely so on point. So plays into my 5-1. Heretic investigator, indeed, right? Indeed. There's no way in your life that you would have got away with superficial. Right? Superficial. There would always be this need to dig deeper into your motivations, into what makes you tick, into the taboos even, of life whether you know why why do we not talk about death why do we not you know have healthy uh you know uh, conversations around those kinds of subjects and uh unloved self-relationship through work yep boundaries with family so isn't that wonderful to be able to go through that um kind of exercise now i went into a little bit more depth right because because i can't help myself um but in your own charts, right? Just take a quick look, get a chart from Genetic Matrix or more, more, maybe have a reading, have me do this exercise with you in a much deeper way. Um, it would be, by the way, an, an astro design or human design combo reading that we would do in this case. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about doing this and, and will continue to to like about this is that I get to see both your inner you and the outer you. How am I expressing qualities that um, are very apparent, but also ones that have been sort of hidden from me? And when I was doing this with myself, one of the things that I noticed is that, wow, there's a lot of life purpose leadership energy that I never knew. I never saw. I've never thought of myself as a leader. I've never thought of myself as the power behind someone or the actual, you know, face of something. Never. Even though I'm a role model in my human design, never thought of myself that way. But I have um, planets that are sitting at both the gate seven and the gate 31. That channel is a part of my life purpose to be a leader. Whoa, just like gobsmacked me. Now, others out there might say, well, yeah, it's so obvious. That's what you do, right? Or that's who you are. It was not obvious to me. It wasn't obvious to me. So this brings out parts of ourselves 
that haven't been so obvious, right? The, uh, the unobvious. Uh, I also noticed that a part of maturing for me in this life, Mars, Mars is in, in human design is the maturing um, part, uh, is about coming to stillness. And all of a sudden I realized how it is that my life goes through this process of action, 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 nothing, 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 action, 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 nothing, nothing, nothing. There's always these, these things that I get to where it's like nothing is going on. And then as a generator, that's frustrating. And then what happens? I can, I try to leap out or make things happen. So it helped me understand myself in some deeper way here about that stillness, about the energy that I talked about when I first came on this morning, which is this feeling of being at this precipice, but not ready to jump off yet and not willing or able to go backwards, right? Sitting on the edge in stillness, waiting for the next thing to prompt me to move forward. <sighs> okay, so, and uh, by the way, the 52 energy, I believe, is Sagittarius, is it? No, it's Capricorn. 52, 52. Mars is in Leo, so it's got to be an Aquarian Martian energy. No, 52 is actually Cancer. <laughs> Interesting to unpack that one. So anyway, that is it for me today. Uh, if you guys have questions about this, you know, please email me or text me or messenger me or uh, what other ways can you reach out? Uh, Facebook or YouTube, right? You can make comments and things like that. And uh, in the description of the video today, I will put the link to the Astro Design uh, reading should you want to go in depth with something like this. And that's it for me today. I'll see you on Monday. Next week, we deal with Mercury moving into Cancer, just as a heads up. And we also have Neptune turning retrograde. So we'll be talking about what all of that means. All right, guys, have a great weekend. See you Monday. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.